I have a big announcement to make for all our listeners and to you, Phil. No. Uh, uh, you, I'm assuming you've been following the news about the, the GameStop stock and all that. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but some of the the initial waves of that, some hedge funds were were creating a position. Like this, this is real. You, you can verify this. Like legitimate hedge funds were creating a position called Chief Meme Officer. <laughs> uh, the, the, that the person's job is to try to come up with the next to meme the next stock uh, to come to play they can buy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'm not making this up. This is this is legitimately how these people in that world think. <laughs> these finance people and they're so like, insulated and isolated from from you know people on the internet and on Reddit. So I thought you know you know Phil I think if we need to expand our operations we need to follow suite and so I'm I'm happy to announce that the Alibus podcast we are. Opening applications for uh, chief meme officer qualifications. Uh, I don't know. Let's let's come with something right now. So, um, let's see, uh, in Microsoft Word and Excel. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, that's that's definitely needed, especially Excel, uh, because we're gonna have you paint Yoda in Excel. I've seen yeah. the video. Uh, let's see, proficiency in uh, Word and Excel. Uh, I need you to have intrapersonal skills as well as interpersonal skills. Um. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, good need... team player, team player. Oh, yeah, but also, also the ability to work independently. Yes. So like you know, uh, let's see. What what is, what else is another thing? Well, the I key like... thing is the meme knowledge, right? Yeah, of course. I need I need to know who collects all the bases or who owns all the bases. Like I need you to know this. If you don't know that, then you then you're out of here. Yeah, we'll probably need to make a meme test, I guess. Like uh, all your base. Dank memes. Do you use that ironically or not? Who is uh, the person in the, the the orange coat post? Drake Drake post. Do you know who Drake is? Because I did not know. I actually originally who that was. So. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, you're. I mean, clearly, but you clearly live under a rock, so I guess that's an excuse for you not to know who Drake is. Hey, only when it comes to music. Uh, well, first of all, I didn't know who he was in the grassy. So there you go. Mm. Uh, but yeah, chief meme officer. Not only familiarity with memes, but your ability to to create new ones, right? And uh, I think it's really important because it's a very hard skill to make, right? People tend to fall back on really not only cliche ones, but they're very shallow ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you gotta, you gotta. I, I like to judge it based on relevance and obscurity and and cleverness. I don't know what, what would be your can. What, what, what would you ideally be looking for in a chief meme officer? Uh, it can just make me laugh. If your meme makes me laugh, you're you're golden in my book. All right. Well, make both of us laugh. So that's that's the other thing. Uh, so yeah, chief meme officer, send your applications to uh, uh, monster, apply at monster.com. Uh, and indeed, 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 at uh, Ask Jeeves, uh job section. Uh, resumes. You know, we'll we'll. We'll get back to you in a timely fashion, you know. And I bring this up because I think only in America could, uh, could like highly, highly paid. You know, we're talking six figures, if not millionaire finance people, who come up with a position called chief meme officer. Mm, I feel like uh, I should apply for that. Maybe. Oh no, do you want do you want to apply for chief meme officer as well, Bill? Uh, I mean, like I know memes. Do I post them? No. I'll probably be very bad at the job, but if it's six figures, sure, I'll do it. Uh, well, we'll see. Uh, I'll, I'll forward it. I'll forward your resume to our HR person. Oh, thank you. HR person, and we run it by the CEO, the COO, uh, the CFO, the CTO, and uh, the GTFO. <laughs> <laughs> so yep, yeah, that's uh, you know, I bet, I bet over in uh, Russia. Right. They don't got they don't got Soviet meme office chief meme officers, right? Isn't that the wonders of uh, capitalism? Uh, I don't know. I feel like they might because of uh, you know, the Soviet Russia meme. So it's like every time you would say Soviet Russia, they get like a penny or something, or like ten also, cents. Also, now that I think about it, because of all the cyber hacking they they did and what they've done, they probably are actually better about the memes than than anyone here. Yeah. Speaking of memes out of America, we have something for you today. I mean that that was a bit a bit of a reach, but I mean let's keep going. Why that was not? a reach. That was a reach. Uh, was. I apologize. That was uh, 
you know, but luckily the quality of the book will make up for the uh, crumminess of the segue. <laughs> the, the greatest book you've never heard of. Neither yes. did I until I bought it. I was going to say, this is going to be a groundbreaking, this is going to be a legitimately groundbreaking podcast because I dare you to find any other <laughs> podcast that has even talked, that's talked about this book, let alone heard of it. All right. Uh, so that's the Omnibus. We're recommending books that you cannot buy because of their hard to find. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Alex Ross does not remember this book. Oh no, we'll see. If we if either if either one of us ever go off to him at a convention, we'll just say, hey, we love your we love your your work on on this book. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm sure he enjoyed that because people probably go off to him for Kingdom Come or Oz covers. So the book we're talking about today is Uncle Sam: The Vertical Limited Series. For those who don't know, and kind of point out the absurdity of DC Comics, Uncle Sam, you know, the Uncle Sam, the, the poster of American symbols right. of propaganda, I want the, you. The really silly guy who kind of looks like the colonel's uh, half-brother, but he wears a funny hat with a goatee, and he points at you. In DC Comics, he's an actual character. He's an actual superhero. He's a superhero, yeah. Like, uh, he is literally the spirit of America, but I think he mostly changes his size and punches things in, like, the comics he's featured in. Yeah. Uh, you know what's really funny? My introduction to that character was an Infinite Crisis. Oh, really? <laughs> and seeing Uncle Sam get pummeled by uh, Sinestro and Dr. Polaris. Oh, my <laughs> and God. And Reverse Flash. My uh, introduction to Uncle Sam was the episode of Batman Brave and the Bold. Oh, he was in that. Yes, he was. He, he and the Freedomers were in that. Yes, they were. So, Dollman, Human Bomb, uh, and what was it? Nightgale? Uh, Lady. Phantom Lady. Phantom Lady. And uh, uh, Black Condor. Black Condor. Uh, yeah, I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Um, and Vertigo, which was form- well, formerly, uh, rest in peace, the Vertigo line. Oh, yeah, big facts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it used to be a brand, an imprint of DC Comics to do more kind of mature work. Uh, this was, you know, this is the line at launch. You know, Neil Gaiman's Sandman, Preacher, Transmetropolitan, like a lot of uh, amazing, very creator-driven, not creator. Yeah, because, I mean, because these, these books were all creator-owned, like uh... – Brian Azzarello's 100 Bullets with uh, Edward, Eduardo Riso, uh, Fables uh, by, what's his name? Bill? Bill William, and um, I can't remember the artist, unfortunately. It, oh, God, I can't remember it either. Astro City uh, is another one. Yeah, Astro City, Kirby Sick. Um, fantastic line. Uh, you know, ended, well, it was dying a slow death ever since, like, say, the 2010s. Yeah, it, not too long ago, Karen Berger, the founder of it, moved on to Dark Horse. Right, and started books. her own Berger books. And something they, once in a while they did, I think they did more frequently towards the end of the line, is that they had DC characters crossover. But kind of like with the Ultimate line at Marvel, the creators were allowed to do different interpretations of them. Don't worry about the continuity. Um, they generally were, were more bound in realism. A good example would be Unknown Soldier. Yes. Uh, will be a series that we'll have to do in the near future. Yeah, very, um, very good series. Uh, there were yeah. two two features of those. You had the Warren Ellis run, and then you had the... Uh, Joshua Dysart. Joshua Dysart, yeah. Yeah. But what's brilliant about this Uncle Sam series uh, by Alex Ross and Steve Darnell, Darnell, you don't need to know any of that. It works perfectly just fine as a self-contained work about uh, the history and, and symbolism of America. Right. And uh, or just to see, a, a, you know, uh, a man who clearly needs uh, mental help and is being ignored by the society around him. It's a great metaphoric work, in my opinion. Uh, so let's do, let's do, let's do like we always do a little bit of basic history before we go into it. So Virgo Limited Series published in 1997. Steve Darnell is some person I have never heard of before and never heard of since. <laughs> I was gonna say the same thing because I was like, wait, Steve Darnell, like, it's a which is, I mean, this book is a very good book, but the uh, writer, I guess, is he working in prose? Yeah, I don't really know. I I kind of did a quick internet search. I guess he runs some kind of, or at least used to some kind of magazine. I guess the magazine doesn't really exist now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, so we'll go off the bio in the book. He was a 
writer, actor, musician, editor, publisher, his comic book career, and it's in quotes for some reason. Uh, he worked on a short story that started the foundation for Marvels of Alex Ross. So I guess they liked it enough to do again for Uncle Sam. Uh, it sounds like someone who's just like kind of only lightly in the comics industry and kind of got, you know went off and did other things. Okay, so in my quick uh, Google search, apparently he wrote Marvel. Yeah, so that's what I hear. The short story that did the Marvels. So I don't know if Marvel's the actual comic was he wrote. Oh uh, no, that's Kirk you say. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't I don't know why he's saying him then. You know, anyways, Steve Darnell. <laughs> uh, you know, don't don't snub to you or to any fans of Steve Darnell. So good good story though. Alex Ross, on the other hand, huge name in comics. Alex Ross. Wells kind of this is kind of his uh the nineties, he really kind of broke out. With all, um, his very painterly style work. Yes. Um, it's it's a watercolor, right? No, he uses acrylic. Really? Okay, I thought it was yeah. I thought it was watercolor, and he just uses uh, it's really I don't know the technical term is it's really watered down or not watered, very lightly watered down. Uh, I mean, yeah, watered down would be it, but no, he it's that uh, Master Ross. Uh, I was gonna say Master Ross because of uh. His prolific work. Alex Ross is a master painter, right? Who's able to work with uh, acrylics, oil paints, watercolors, whatever. It's just that for his comic work, especially for Kingdom Come, the covers for Earth X, uh, what else? What else? Uh, Justice, right? Does that's all acrylic simply because of the speed, right? Because oil paints would take forever. But acrylic, once you apply it, like it it dries very fast, and you're able to layer on top. Okay, that makes more sense uh, as someone who's never painted before. So yeah. uh, he's also known for his uh, ultra realism uh, illustration style. Uh, in that, when you look at his art, it looks like it, it look like real people. It looks, you know, like almost like photograph. He just drew from photographs. Right. Which I mean. Maybe he has because Alex Ross is known to use uh, tons and tons of photo reference to the point where like he would like gather his neighbors and everything and have them or like uh, models and have them put on the costumes of the figures he is drawing. Um, I know for the the large fight scene in uh, Kingdom Come, he threw a barbecue and invited people over for like back as background characters and everything. Oh wow, that's right, that's right. That's I you haven't pressed up in the in the, in the DC costumes. <laughs> uh, I assume. I mean, no, probably no. He didn't have them dressed up, but like for like, of course, those in like the foreground would be dressed up, but then like everyone else is in the background. So I guess he would be able to finesse. Uh yeah, and a lot of uh, when you get collected hardcover editions of his work, you will see often he includes. The pictures on the models and photo reference he used. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Alex Ross, you know, even if you, you know, DC loves to use his type, uh, his art for promotional. He doesn't really do a lot of interior art now because it's obviously very time consuming, especially for his style. Right. But yeah. You've, you've more than likely seen an Alex Ross cover. Um, he, he's also at these conventions, like the Alex Ross booth, he's almost never there. But he's like the you will recognize him. He's the only artist that has dealers who are dressed up in suits in selling suits. his art. Yeah, because technically, like you can look if Alex Ross were to do interiors, <clears throat> you can literally take that interior, like one panel of the interior, and just sell it as its own painting. Yeah, exactly. You know, his works are always highly sought after collector works, and yeah. you know when you get an Alex Ross to do your your book, uh, it's almost always going to sell he's a he's also very notable as a big fan of the gold and silver age uh era of superhero comics to the point where he's for whatever he's like real snob like he will refuse to draw Kyle rainer <laughs> <laughs> like he's one of the, he's one of those artists that will only really like he, he likes pretty much only the characters he grew up with of course that's terrible uh, but it's also very funny because, uh, you know, I think uh, Alex Ross, like, he owns a share of Dynamite Entertainment, I believe. Oh, that would explain why he does so much work for them, man. Yeah, and I think the last interior I think I've ever seen him do was the first issue of uh, Mask. 
for Dynamite, which was pretty much gathering like all those heroes. So like the Shadow, the Spider, uh, Miss Fury, Green Hornet, Kaito, and uh, Green Llama and Black Terror, and sticking them all into like this this uh, Justice League like book of these heroes that would never have met each other. So Alex Ross, big name superstar. Uh, but this is definitely Uncle Sam is definitely one of the lesser known works of Alex Ross. Uh, well, likely due to the fact it hasn't been reprinted and anything. Uh, we, we this is not a comicsology. Uh, you will probably have to buy it used <laughs> online or if you're lucky at a comic book store. Yeah. Or go to the library like I did. So. Uh, or or get lucky on Amazon like I did and spend four dollars. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, <laughs> hardcover collections go for like forty, eighty, forty to eighty dollars. So, you know, like we always, like we usually say every episode, go buy this at your local comic book store. Uh, you probably won't be able to find it there. Yeah, like this one, you're probably going to have to get into a knife fight with a, a hobo. <laughs> a hobo with good taste, though. So, basic premise <laughs> of Uncle Sam. We'll probably do a close read because it's not a very long book. Uh, so, basic premise is that this Uncle Sam, or to us, as this is like this old guy in a very old timey American outfit, like we're talking revolutionary war era outfit it's just found on the streets just rambling saying random presidential slogans uh and he just kind of like stumbling across there's not really a lot of plot to speak of the first yeah, no there isn't yeah there is no plot it's just yeah, it's he, just it's uh literally uncle sam on an acid trip uh as he goes through his past his uh present merging together because we get to see him as a time when he was an actual person Right before he became an ideal, and during that time, right, we see him during the Revolutionary War, the War of 1812, uh, as well as the what was that? What war was that with the, the Native Americans? Oh, so, no, well, the, the, well, there's that. That there's a lot of wars with Native Americans. Yeah, yeah, okay. The the war with the war with the Native Americans. I don't know which group. They mentioned Blackhawks, but Black I don't, War, yeah. Okay, and as well as the Civil War, because I think the creepiest part of this book was when the the Sambo doll came alive and started to uh, uh, berate Uncle Sam. I was like, yeah, I said, you tell him, Sambo doll. You tell Uncle Sam he's up to no good. Yeah, so basically it's Uncle Sam, you know, the body of America being confronted and trying to reconcile all of the horrible things America has done in its history. The wars, the violence against, you know, People upright protesting and uprising, uh, like like pretty much almost every every terrible thing America has done, you can, you, you can name it in this book. Yeah. And you know he's there's kind of like a minor subplot with like uh, in the background with these two politicians being elected and the good one, the like the one that's for the people gets loses badly and the crappy politician. Uh, this sounds familiar, right? This <laughs> just sounds familiar to a lot of people right now. It does. It does. A crappy politician gets elected and he gets confronted with the other Uncle Sam, who's like the Uncle Sam from the propaganda posters. Uh, the, and he, he's just like the, embodies all the worst elements of America. He's a jingoistic, warmonger, uh, you know, unregulated capitalism, Uncle Sam. Right, who feeds off of media. Yeah, yeah, which I love. I, I, I really love. <laughs> and and he, he's just like such a tacky persona as well. He's in the... Like the sparkly, the sparkly, like red, blue, and white costume. It's, uh, it's, it's brilliant. So, um, is there anything else, or do you want to just do right to the close read? Uh, let's see. What else is there? So, I mean, throughout this book, right, because we're dealing with the, an I, the ideological essence of America, right, through Uncle Sam. And I think it's interesting to say, you know, to say the least, is that, America has a lot of personas, right? You have Uncle Sam, you have Columbia, you have uh, the Statue of Liberty. What else do you have? Like, you have a lot of personified ideals of what America can and will be, and can, is, will, and shall be, right? Yeah. Versus uh, the rest of the world, because we get to see other ideals. We get to see uh, Ursa Major from Russia. Yeah, the Soviet um, air. All right, we got to see uh, Britannia for yeah, for Queen, the UK. Yeah, Queen Britannia, Lady of Britannia. Right, and we get to see a very uh, down on their luck uh, Marianne from France. Yeah, the the lady in the very famous French Revolution picture. Yeah, I don't know what the uh, formal name is called. 
uh, what is it called? It's called uh, Liberty Leading the Revolution by uh, Eugene Delacroix. Mm, okay. Yeah, you're you're an art history teacher, so you know that better than me. Yes, that's why I was able to say it off the top of my head because I'm teaching that lesson this week as well. Ha ha. Hey, you should use this book. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think. Well, I think. Well, the thing about Uncle Sam is like you know he's a propaganda symbol, like literally. Um, and the thing about there's always this weird conflict of like art and propaganda, and that people it's easier to sell something to someone when you put a human face on it, right? And that's kind of what all these icons are. These are these are personifications of a specific country, a specific spirit, a specific ideology. And Except Russia apparently, because Russia has a bear face. <laughs> I mean, I don't know anyone who from so the Soviet era Russia, so we would be <laughs> on that. Um, and then, and, you know, it's an examination of how these nations don't live up to the ideas they embody, and examining where that comes from and why that is. What's really good, what I really love about uh, Uncle Sam, is that it use, it pulls a lot of very iconic imagery from throughout America's history uh, as kind of a counterbalance to the usual history we see in history books. You're seeing a lot of I guess the, the untold history, forgotten history right. of like you know, slaves, you know, Native American oppression, you know, workers being oppressed, et cetera, et cetera. Um, very much cited. They say in the book, uh, "People's History of uh, the People's History of America" by Howard Zinn was a major influence, and that's a history text I would recommend. It tells a lot of the untold history of America from the point of view of the disadvantaged and the marginalized groups in America's history. All right. So um, let's get right to the close trade. So we kind of dive into a little bit. You know, he's just an old old guy. Uncle Sam is old guy. Brought it to Hasso. He's screaming and ranting. What I really love, majority of Uncle Sam's dialogue is a quote from either a president or a very our famous American figure. And I did the the labor of actually spending today and yesterday looking up all the quotes he's saying. Yes, salute uh, this man for he 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 did it so you wouldn't have to. <laughs> and also, I I'm pretty sure no one else who has ever read this book or used this book has done that. So, ah, take that, all you all you losers, right? Sure. If nothing else, even if this podcast goes badly, you can say at least we talked about Uncle Sam and Truth, Red, White, and Black. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, because these these are two books that are completely out of print. Yeah, and no classroom, no one, no one in the your mainstream is read. But yeah, some of the there's a quotes. Uh, yeah, he says, you know, bear in the there's a bear in the woods, which is a reference to uh, it's a Reagan campaign slogan. You know why you should vote for Reagan because of Russia. He says, I will never apologize to the United States, which was a quote from H. Uh, w. Bush. You'll you'll tend to notice a recurring thing that most of the, the negative quotes he says are from Republicans. <laughs> Uh, so very. So you know, if, if you can tell right away what Alex Ross's political stance is. Uh, can you hear that in Alex the background? Ross, you mean, you mean uh, Steve Darnell? Both, both, both of them. Okay. Uh, hear, hear what in the background? Okay, there's someone vacuuming. I want to make sure you can't pick it up on my headphone. No, I can't hear it. Oh, thank God, that would have been terrible. Uh, <laughs> anyways, yeah, some more quotes like you know. Uh, I style legislation outlawing Russia. I should welcome any war. Teddy Roosevelt quote. A lot of quotes are very, very nationalistic, jingoistic. Um, from less, well, America's still, still pretty bad about this. But like even, I guess, more obvious imperialistic elements. Right. Um, there's I a page I. Sorry. No, I was gonna th- okay, I was gonna say like it was interesting when they were like throwing him out of the hospital. He says, "Watch out, overdose of charisma." And it was like. I, I've never heard that slogan before. Uh, I don't think that's a slogan. I think that's just uh, him. I think. But it, 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 it did become a little hard to tell which elements were, were just the character talking, which were quotes. Oh, I felt like everything that seemed nonsensical was a quote. Uh, most, I think most of the time it is. But that's like, uh, you know, right there. It's, I thought it was like just a cool character choice. You have most of the dialogues when your character is just repeating uh um, you know american presidential slogans yeah i mean i i thought that was clever as well like even though i didn't recognize them as 
uh, or like where they came from. I immediately understood like, oh, Uncle Sam, he's acting crazy, but he's saying things that have like a political twist to it. They must be he must be using like the language of like, you know, the uh, political leaders of past to, you know, get his point across because he can't speak regularly. But I think uh, that's only simply because I know of the background of Uncle Sam. Like if I was someone who never read uh uncle sam and the freedom fighters i probably wouldn't have no idea just think he was a ranting old man yeah which is kind of well which is kind of the brilliant conceit because like to the people in the story right he is just a ranting old man (laughs) uh and then to the next page this is what i really love is these montages he has his flashbacks to america's past and they're pretty much all the worst things about it and what's cool is that the panels are in the shape of states u.s states Yo, I did not notice that. Yeah, it's really innocuous. It's it's really because they just look like irregular shape panels. Yeah. yeah. If you look closely there, I don't, I can't recognize which states they are. I mean, uh, I can only recognize California and Nevada. Which one's California? The the red one. Oh, I was gonna say like, hey, you know, Phil, West Coast represent California is not on this. <laughs> we, we 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 were we didn't do as many shitty things. Like, oh, I guess there's a uh, the police. Presumably the police meeting up yeah. someone okay okay now i can recognize it so yeah there's california that's nevada or nevada sorry to all my nevadians out there uh the one with the vaccines and opening i mean vacancies and openings that is uh idaho yeah yeah so um i don't i don't know if they're like specific to each state or they just chose a state at random but yeah so there's a montage just described it you know there's one of like um there's like a bird covered in oil referencing one of many major oil, oil spills. Yeah. There's one of like a homophobic protest, like no gay rights, Avenue Matt Steve. Somewhere in middle America. Yep. There's the the Idaho one, like Phil mentioned, vacancies and opening. There's a factory just being closed and a couple like looking despondently. Uh, next to that, there's a deer that got shot in the neck, which is a I'm assuming it's some kind of hunting thing. I, I'll be honest, that seems like the least of America's problems. Yeah, that's that's what I assume too. But then I guess, like, uh, you know, hunting rights, PETA, you know, the extinction of species. Yeah, that's what I figure. Conservation. Uh, Nevada is just uh, a bunch of gambling, you know, a bunch of shady-looking casinos. Yeah. Uh, the state next to that is, and what's important is that he's he's commenting on these, and they're very uh, attached to with the image. So here. There's a lot. There's a town where a lot of babies born have similar defects, and there's an image of a crop duster. Crop got, duster. Yeah, dropping yeah. pesticides on a farm. Uh, one below that, there's a state's attorney asking the Supreme Court to let them execute a 14-year-old. And then there's you know a bunch of black kids going through metal detectors at a school. Yep, and getting uh, pat down in the background as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know. So Sidetrack, sidebar, whatever. It's very funny that uh, showing this, and this is what, 1996, you said? Uh, yeah, 97. 97, right? And I had to do the same thing uh, going to high school in New York in, what was that, 2006, all the way to 2010? Do you know if they still do that? Uh, I mean, more than likely, simply because uh, my, my school was overpopulated. Uh, what was it? The... Of my class, well, not my class. When I first got to high school, it was a uh, 5,000 students in the school. Jeez. Yeah. Jeez. And because uh, I remember this too, because because uh, myself and two of my cousins, they they went to the same high school. And my cousin, he graduated in 03. So when he left in 03, there was no metal detectors, right? And that was the same year my cousin, my other cousin, who is younger than him, uh, she that's when she got there. And so the year afterwards, 2004, is when they added the me- the metal detectors. That's really that's really that's really strange why they. I mean, I know that's really the metal detectors is like, uh, at least from my perspective, going from a Southern California suburb. Yeah. It's like more of a response to Columbine. Right. Uh, I don't know if they in places like New York if they predated that. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I never really thought about it. It's just the idea of uh. Because we had actual cops in our school as well as, like, uh, school security. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, like, of course, you know, things you weren't allowed to bring. Like, you weren't allowed to bring, you know, cell phones. You weren't allowed to bring, uh, like, pretty much technology from the outside that you would deem fun. Uh, <laughs> well, at the same time, though, there were certain things you couldn't bring as well. Like, you couldn't have, like, a chain for your pants. Yeah, duh, yeah I remember that. that yeah. Um, but, I, I mean... I suspended from middle school for having a chain. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, see, because I guess in my mind, because that's what I used to use all the time to hold my keys, but I never, uh, I, in my mind, I never thought to use it as a weapon until they took it away from me. It was like, yeah, this could be used as a weapon. I was like, what? You know, despite... Well, the, you know, that's that's their job, right? Educating you on things you never do. So. Yeah, I mean... They which you how to harm people in ways you never thought of before. Exactly, you know, coming from, you know, this small, humble middle school to this big old high school and you know in the bronx and they were like hey this could be used as a weapon i was like whoa i didn't know that i was just thinking about pokemon that's crazy uh good job good job new york public school system <laughs> not that not that california it was that much better right all right so let's keep going um so yeah uncle sam wondering about there's some reference to like the the hoovervilles under herbert hoover presiding over the great depression uh, that hit me. That hit me really close right now. Read that 2021. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah, we're in the, we're in yet another recession that's even worse. The second recession to be even worse than the Great Depression, mm-hmm. or the worst one since then. I'm back. Um, yeah, I'm gonna be honest. Reading this book again in 2021, there's a lot more things that hit, <laughs> that hit a lot that closer. Hit, that hit closer to home. Yeah, I was like, damn, this book is timely as hell. Yeah, and it's all. Well, it's funny. It's 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 just re- reiterating images of the past but in many ways it saw a lot of things coming right which i mean which is always the idea of studying history so for those who don't like to study history you need to wake up and understand you know if you don't understand your past you're, you're doomed to repeat it would you say they need to get woke uh i would say they would need to read more history books yeah leave it at that get more read more history books ironically there's a lot of people who are get triggered by reading history books because <laughs> they they find they, they they you want to study racism but you are going to, of course have to see depictions of that so you know yeah i don't have i have i've lost sympathy for history teachers today <laughs> who have to deal with that shit yeah i mean i think it's also very funny thinking about last year and how uh you know, kids in school were literally living through history, so I, I really do wonder how they're going to write the textbooks uh, when, I guess, they come out with a new edition sometime next year. I don't know. We'll see. Modern, I mean, it's going to be a little bit longer with contemporary history. You're going to wait 10 to 20 years on that. Oh, jeez. And then, you know, who knows what the boomers have to say about that. Uh, there's another quote. So there's a flashback, quick flashback to him and with his wife in the revolutionary days. Goes back, cross cuts between him and the and the present day, and there's a homo who takes his shoes. Yes. Uh, there's another qu- presidential quote. He says, "It's a respectable Republican cloth coat," which was a really like a lot of these are very obscure, but uh, for me that was the most obscure one, so I had to look that up. That was a reference to Nick- Nixon's checker speech. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, that that is before my time. Well, it's before all our times, but um. Exactly. So, so this is Nixon when he was before. This is way before Watergate. Uh, he there was some. I don't quite remember all the details. Uh, but he was basically, you know, people were bashing him for something, mm-hmm. and uh, he gave this speech on TV, you know, about he basically appealed to people's senses by referencing Checkers, his dog, <laughs> and it basically it was like one of those appeal to their emotions and like. Hey man, leave me alone. I'm just trying to get by. You know, I got my dog checkers. And people, <laughs> people fell for it. And then lo and behold, you know, 10 to 15 years later, it was Watergate. So we were right. right suspecting all along. Yeah. That kind of reminds me of the, uh, what's it called, deflection for uh, that Ronald Reagan used to give in his speeches. I don't know if you ever heard those before. Where uh, There's a lot of them. So you gotta be more specific. Uh, I don't know the name of it, but it was one speech where he was like, uh, do you, you blame the members of Congress, you blame the members of the past, but do you put any blame upon yourself? He goes, yes. He goes, yes, I do put some blame on myself because for many years I was a Democrat. Or, yeah. Yeah. or what was the other one? He's like, uh, Abraham Lincoln once said, we're only as young as we uh, appear to be. No, don't judge a president by his age. Um, but by like by his work, so it was like to show how youthful I am. I'm going to campaign in all 13 states. Yeah, and, like, yeah, and the media was eating it up. Well, yeah, because he's 
And that's kind of the, the one of the critique, the major criticisms Uncle Sam does is that we fall for these politicians who are charismatic, right. but don't pay attention to their actual policies or their actual voting record or history. Hmm. Uh, something that, again, resonates even more with me today, uh, except it's not just Republicans, but also uh, centrist corporate Democrats, which we get into later. Um, so we, moving on, he does more, does another flashback. This time it's JFK. Or specifically the shooting of JFK in Dallas. Right. Uh, another good line I really like. He another twist on a famous line: "Ask not what your country's done for you, ask what your country's done to, to you. you." Yeah, I was like bars. Yep, exactly. More moving on. He's just wandering. More. A lot of people look at just Sam, Uncle Sam, just wandering around. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, and like everyone looking at him like he's a bum because he, technically he is. Like he's very disheveled. Uh, he has no shoes because they've been stolen. Yeah, a lot of his dialogue, he's not really having, you know, I, w- I wouldn't call them like meaningful character interactions as they are. His dialogue or philosoph- philosophizing, I'd probably butcher the word. You're contemplating about America and America's spirit. Right. Um, this is another cool one. He goes into an ad, wanders into an antique store in middle America somewhere. Uh, nice nod to Superman. Uh, there's all American antiques, and there's a, you know, super, the famous Superman Breaking Chains cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, see all these antiques, these really racist antiques. Yeah. <laughs> really, really racist antiques. Uh, you know, there's like the little, there's like a sort of Indian chief figurine, and he flashes back to the Black Hawk War, which is one of many wars America fought against the Indians right before they took their land, their land from them. Right. Uh, the next one, right, as you mentioned earlier, Phil, you enjoy with the, the, the quotes from minstrel shows, the, the, the dancing sambo. Yeah. Which I, I had to look, I wasn't really familiar, I, I knew what they were, I wasn't familiar with the term dancing sambo, though, and what it was. Yeah, I mean, this is referring to, because, like, sambo was the name of the character, and that's what he did, like, you know, he would juke and jive, you know, yeah, for the yeah. for the sake of the white man in order to entertain. Yeah, and there's the, uh, the long jockey comes to life, starts talking to him. Yeah. And uh, from there, we get to see, like, you know, America. And then Uncle Sam, of course, being the proxy for America, is being is witnessing, you know, the beating that this man took. Uh, so it's a, it flashes back to uh, a slave, a black slave being lynched. Uh, well, no, not really. Not not a slave. This was uh, what was oh, this after? Oh, this is after. So this is after. Uh, yes. This, this is yeah. This was like after this is after the Civil War. So this is during Reconstruction, but it was also okay. during Reconstruction in the South. Yeah, so yeah. we first see this uh, black trumpet player named uh, Amid Ardion, and a white woman gave him a handkerchief to wipe his sweat. Handful of white men saw it, and he got away lucky because they didn't kill him. They just they just beat him up to the point where he was bloody and bruised all over. Oh, okay. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed to say this. I did not know this was a real person. I thought this was someone they made up for the story. Oh, I mean, I I don't I don't know if they made it up for the story, but because I just read the name in the the speech bubble. Uh, yeah. This this is uh yeah. What, so this is this is an actual. Oh, this like, is an actual person. Yeah, and yeah, oh. this is his actual fate. Ah, see that that makes sense then. Which I mean, of course, of course, would make sense, right? Because the idea of uh a America reckoning with its past, or I guess it went, in, the, in this case, when Uncle Sam is right, uh, it's getting bashed on by the lawn jockeys that America doesn't want to reckon with its past. Exactly. Immediately ignore it. Because um, like from there, right, we move on to the image of a lynching, right, of a random black man, um, and very descriptive details about using corkscrew to rip out flesh and like the mob mentality of cutting off digits and uh ears to pass them around the crowd he even says it right there uh like why are you telling me this and the long jockey tells him because you need to know that's why because you have a tendency to forget these things right and then which like and uh uncle sam's you know big deflection was like but but we freed you oh wow you freed us yeah you know because when our loud because when our cries get too loud and you know you slip the chains in the news back on us after we fought in your wars in the name of freedom right uh, there's always Amos and Andy and Aunt Jemima who never sassed you back. 
It says, yeah, free to, yeah, freedom, free to enter the servants' health, entrance at hotels, free to get my ass beaten for having nerve to vote. Uh, yep. Also really funny that uh, when I first read this back in college, I didn't know what a lawn jockey was, mm-hmm. and now I do because of uh, Dear White People. Yes. Uh, I also couldn't see not thinking of um, what that, whatever the asshole character's name, the asshole white guy in that show. Asshole white guy. Oh, the the oh gosh, I know who you're talking about the guy. Uh, who the newspaper the, editor. Yeah. Yeah, he talks about. I remember he made that thing about like the lawn jockey, and he puts the the line, nobody knows why they're mad, and he points <laughs> out later. Uh, he did that intentionally to rile people up. You know, that's really stupid. <laughs> uh, but he did later point out that uh, like. To, I don't remember which character it was. You point out uh, that like actually the lawn jockey was a, a signal on the Underground Railroad. Yeah, that was uh he was talking to, to I want to say he was talking to Troy, but I honestly don't know. Troy or Reggie, um, which I looked into that after reading this rereading uh, Uncle Sam and like, apparently that's disputed. So that's what what he's saying is not 100 might not be 100 percent accurate. Mm. But that makes sense, right? Because he's, he's an asshole white guy. Right. Uh, there we go. Another another tangent. Yeah, dear white people, highly recommend you watch it. Yes. Uh, Simeon, give us money. <laughs> See, this this is free advertisement. What are you talking about? Let's. Yo, Netflix, cut the check. Check <laughs> us, us a check. Yes. Uh, so he flashes forward to uh, Civil War, or rather Union Camp in the Civil War, and this is not the scenes where they show in all the documentaries and all the movies about the civil war that everyone loves to see. It's like just soldiers dying as they can't get medical treatment. Um, the, the officers shooting, you know, people try to desert. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and this is a really great uh, exchange. I love Like, was I right? Will the union be preserved? This is a dying soldier says, uncle Sam, uncle Sam goes, I, um, let me get back to you with that one. Let me get back to you on that side. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. Really uh, hits you over the head with that one, keeping the idea was like, wow. Well, like, because not only of thinking about it for that time, but also as you continue on in the future, because, excuse me, because America always has always been a powder keg to certain ideas. Right. Which, I mean, going back to the very beginning, you have the people arguing over uh, no gay rights or uh you know, the corporations beating out the little people in order to take their land, in order to create bigger factories to make more money while leaving the people who cultivated and built the land out of the money. And that's uh, kind of what we tie into. It's like the, the, the kind of the genius of the conceit that Uncle Sam is wandering around ranting and he's having trouble remembering. Like what the lawn jockey points out, it's because America itself has a tendency to not remember, you know, the tragedies and horrible things done. Uh, also, I see we're recording. We're at the 45-minute mark, so let's probably want to pick. We'll pick up the pace of the cold street from here. All right. Uh, but yeah, there's another great montage of states. Actually, no, I don't know. Yeah, they no, are states. No, I don't think these are states. No, these are definitely states. I see there's a Oklahoma. What looks like the Oklahoma bombing, and you can see the edge of the panels ragged, represent where they're building a state. Oh. I mean that whole that whole middle part of America. They're all way more cleaner and uniform in the borders. You know, so it's hard to, but yeah, another montage of like, you know, foreclosure sale on the farms, did some militia uh, rallying, you know, getting ready to do militia things. Black prisoner looking like. No, yeah. it's a black female prisoner being raped by a guard. Yeah. Uh, there's a immigrant family trying to sneak at the border. They're caught in a. In a car. In the trunk of a car. Trunk of a car. There's some two bombings, it looks like. I these I couldn't quite place. I'm assuming one of the Oklahoma bombing. Because that would have been really recent at the time of this was published. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, Uncle Sam, you know, wandering around more as he goes through the great dust bowl, right? Uh, of one of the big farmers losing all their farms with the big dust storms in the 30s. Talks to kind of the idealistic politician that in the, in the election is having a background that he lost. He kind of imagines him as as Abraham Lincoln. Right. This is and then he runs into the the parade for the senator that won, and he runs into the fake Uncle Sam and this image I really love because of how kind of how terrible it is. It's like the the arsenal. He calls it the great arsenal of democracy, and it's Uncle Sam in the stars and stripes suits, and there's 
bombers flying bombers flying above him as he's about to go attack whatever enemy America is going to be facing. Yeah, and the way the way he he has that the perspective of looking upward from it, it's such a great great perspective shot there from Alex Ross. I feel like this scene in particular, because like when I looked at it, it looked very familiar. I feel like it must be a cover of you know the Uncle Sam comics from back in the day. Uh, yeah, I think it's prob most likely referencing some kind of famous propaganda poster or some kind of image associated with Uncle Sam. I feel. Mm. Uh, it would not surprise me that it is one of the classic Freedom Fighters comic. Uh, so he goes into the convention hall. He's seeing the, the, the politician who won, Lewis Cannon. Very clearly uh, a Republican conservative because he's talking about getting rid of big government, doing something about the problem, the quote-unquote problem of immigration. Right, which is just uh, fake dialogue where Uncle Sam is able to actually hear his intentions behind his word. Which is very clever in terms of lettering, like putting the words he's saying to the people in gray and then the actual words on, on top of that speech bubble. Yeah, I really like that a lot. It was a, It's a cool trick that I, only comics can do, which I would like to see more of. Uh, I'm going to think I'm going to steal this technique for our own comics. So. Okay. Uh, yeah, they just talk about like the liberal, they intimidated the, the major news media by repeatedly calling them liberal. Yeah, like, man, Alex Ross really saw this coming. So, yeah, you cynical, apathetic, ignorant, beaten down sheep. I was like, wow. Yeah, although, and it was like, he, pro- like, he probably would not have been prepared by, ironically, it's gone far the other direction with mainstream media and kind of downplaying Biden's crumminess. Uh, if there's uh, one thing I've learned about you, the American people, is that you, you care, but the cares faded out and it says, fear change. And I was like, yes. We're scared of evolution. Yep. Um, oh, I forgot. So uh, before we continue, I'm gonna we skipped over a lot more American quotes that he says. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna bring up the more obscure ones. I I there were like the ones I really didn't recognize was uh, back in the Indian store. He says a line of "I'm gonna slap a dirty little Jap," which is uh, I wasn't familiar with that was. It was like obviously something from World War II era. And I went back and looked it up. It was an actual Uncle Sam poster. You can see it in the notes. Phil. Yeah, so yeah, Uncle, an actual Uncle Sam poster of, of Uncle Sam's hand slapping a Japanese soldier. <laughs> it's just like this is something they actually put out back then to to get Americans fighting against the Japanese. It's like, oh Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there's you know more quotes in between. In particular, when he's like going off against uh, Lewis Cannon, you know, he's quoting from. Uh, there's one I like. Have you no sense of decency, sir? At long last, that's a quote from the. Uh, Joseph Welch, who was the chief counsel to the U.S. Army, the guy who confronted McCarthy, uh, okay. he said that on radio or on TV. So you can tell that he, that Steve Darnell, is picking quotes not only to show how America's sucking is, but he's also picking quotes that actually fit the context of the scenes uh, that Uncle Sam is in. Right. Uh, Let's sorry. see. No, it's, it's fine. So like as we're moving on, right, Uncle Sam attacks the fake Uncle Sam because uh, he realizes, like, no, you're not the real Uncle Sam. You're you're in it for the the money, or I guess uh, fictional money, because you yeah. know it's not really money. Yeah. Uh, but as he attacks the fake Uncle Sam, right, it ends up turning back to a regular person, and the cops come and arrest, uh, I guess, Hobo Uncle Sam, right? Because we have Gritty <laughs> Uncle Sam, Hobo Uncle Sam, and then from there we have a flashback to the uh, riots in Dearborn, Michigan. Uh, uh, what are these? The Ford riots? Uh, let me let me pull up notes. This is specifically the da, 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 Ford Hunger March slash Ford Massacre, mm-hmm. which was uh unemployed auto workers. They were protesting at the very height of the Great Depression, and you know Ford was not receptive to this, obviously. Uh-huh. And yeah, it led to like both Ford Security and the Dearborn Police Department, who were in cahoots. Shooting and injuring. I think there was at least one death. Jeez. And there was a, and, of the uh, movie Detroit. Yeah, this was kind of a major uh, thing that sparred uh, auto workers being unionized today. Right. Yeah. So there's flashing back to that, and Uncle Sam compares it. He sees the flashbacks to that of the massacre being like soldiers dying in the Revolutionary War. Uh, you know, we see him back in jail with some other random people who were 
also jailed. Most of them for who are speaking out against Lewis Cannon, they have good reasons to do that because their brother died from AIDS. They lost their job due to being outsourced. You know, one suffering from a uh, Gulf War syndrome. And of course, the really funny was the last guy just an asshole. He just doesn't like him. <laughs> uh. That's the end of the first issue. We go to the next issue. It's on, uh, Uncle Sam's in jail. There's some flashing back to Revolutionary War imagery. He, at the same time, it's being compared to uh, slavery imagery because he sees black men in jail. And it obviously evokes. Hey, right, and it transforms into uh, the imagery of walking uh walking in a slave ship yeah yeah uh you know it goes through the police the police let him go there were some plot contrivances it's not that important uh why, why they let him go they just let him go uh no, goes out. No, they let him go because the the woman uh paid for his bail oh yeah i forgot about that i was talking about like their their reasonings with lewis cannon why he doesn't want to see him but yeah there's a woman woman uh pays for his bail uh, he goes out on the streets, he sees the eagle fly, the bald eagle flying overhead. He says, I haven't seen that in a while. Yeah. And he runs into uh, Lady Britannia. Yes, her, who, her, who's in her actual costume and was the lady who paid for his bail. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, <laughs> she's got the shield, she's got the trident, she's got the lion, which as someone, I'm sure someone who's more familiar with British imagery history can enlighten us on what, what all that's about. Uh, uh, I mean... The shield has the Union Jack on it, which is supposed to be representative of the uh, the three nations that make up the United Kingdom. So England, Scotland, and Wales. Okay, uh, I'll you the lion, which I thought was a really Oh, the lion. Well, the lion is usually representative of nobility. That's why you tend to see in a lot of uh, uh, knight uh, flags and stuff. Uh, the lion is always rampart. Because, mm, okay. Yeah, because the lion is supposed to be representative of like, the, the nobility. Oh, that makes more sense. There you go. But hey, you probably know this better than I do, right? Because you're, you're yeah. son of your, your parents are Caribbean immigrants, right? They're British citizens. Yes, uh, my father, my father's still a British uh, citizen. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, I'm a real red-blooded Yankee. So, screw <laughs> back. See, no, you're not. Technically, I am because I was born in New York. So I'm, I'm a, I'm a true Yankee. I, I wear the fitted like a crown. <laughs> I was born in California, so whatever. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, and she goes on about, you know, uh, kind of some Amer- Americans' imperialistic history. You know, Smedley Butler, who led troops into Mexico, Nicaragua, China, Dominican Republic, specifically for American business interests. Right. Uh, very funny that I should read this now because I've been rewatching videos of Metal Gear Peace Walker, and they talk about. Uh, Butler in Nicaragua because you fight alongside Nicaragua Contras. Oh wow! Yeah, so Peace Walker. There we go. Another plug in. Better Peace Walker. Good game. Pick it up. Konami cut the check. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah there. Oh, they could even cut Kojima a check. They're not gonna really like give us a check. Yeah, that's that's also true. Yeah, but what's the brilliance of the scene is that Britannia points out, and it kind of sums up what the scene is. The Uncle Sam slash America became the very tyrant. Uh, they rebelled against. Yeah, and then some, some asshole kids they decided to light Uncle Sam on fire because they want to pour gasoline on him. Right, which is which is extremely terrible. Like, uh, kind of reminds me of the Yakuza series where they go out and hunt the hobos. The oh hobos. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's another another great montage again of horrible things in America's past with the states. Uh, looks like you know. There's a, it's a nine-year-old child takes a bullet just for a little of the brain. So it's a black woman, uh, you know, hugging her dead kid. There's a, uh, 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 this is a man is arrested for selling a CD to an undercover policeman and a district attorney announces another victory in the battle to save our children. Yep. So yeah, the cracking down piracy has a great justice. There's the one I, I was, I was positive because it was like, it's not a, what's the, what's the Jewish place of worship called synagogue the synagogue <laughs> there we go. I, I, I. so a synagogue with uh you know anti-semitic stuff painted yeah. on it uh, you know there's a, a radio host on a on a mic says a millionaire tells his listeners to aim for the head when dealing with law enforcement boom goes back to january 6th look at this this book predicts the future yeah this is the one that really hit me home is like a lady in a fast food uh you know uniform saying well, a woman realizes Working 40 hours a week will not be enough. Mm. 
Yep. And then, you know, a guy, there's another one, a man, wild man with no job, contemplates what it will take to get him on television, and he's standing on a rooftop with a sniper rifle. And the one that really is, that was like, uh, really evocative, they're bringing back the chain gangs, and it's, uh, you know, a modern police with prisoners, keep watching over prisoners who are all black. Right. Yeah. Which, uh, which is essentially modern day slavery, right? Doing slave work for no pay. Yeah, and then you know, of course, the lady, the fast food, the fast food, fast food job, one one step below wage slavery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then flash forward, more revolutionary war imagery. Uh, yada yada. We get through. We're getting towards the climax of the book. He he comes across to uh, Bia, this woman he's been chasing. It turns out to be Columbia, who is the female personification of. America, America. So like yeah, like Uncle Sam is the is the dude. She's the lady, kind of where the the name District of Columbia comes from. Uh, she's more, confronting him more about like America's like you know you're this you know warmongering nation fought for peace. Uh, again, we run into the bear, the Russian bear, the what's her name, the French Revolution lady. Oh, uh, Mariana. Mariana. This is where it gets to like kind of. Uh, you can see a little bit of like the superhero roots coming from Uncle Sam sees Darnell. That Uncle Sam's like finally emboldened, so he becomes giant size. Yeah, look at him, <laughs> big, yeah. walking walking across the walking across the Hudson, big man. Yeah, with the with the, the great like actual like it is like an actual like American patriarch image, but like the good elements of it. And he's confronting, which is probably I think my favorite image in the whole book. He's confronting the 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 terrible Uncle Sam who's sitting on a throne of cable TVs. Yes, as it like uh, shows you things to distract you, right? Like it's showing boobs, it's showing the show Cops. Yeah, uh, commercials, lots and commercials. lots of commercials. Yeah, sports, and he's like he's got his he's resting his feet on the the U.S. Capitol building. He puts yeah. out his cigarette, which is like a rolled up fifty dollar bill on the Capitol building. So the symbolism. I mean, it's very blunt, but it is actually, I think, very genius, very inspired as well. Yes, it is. Yeah, and then they actually fight. Kind of, they fight. They don't. Uh, they don't fight. It's that the uh, the homeless Uncle Sam is is speaking the truth, and the glitzy Uncle Sam is not trying to hear it. So, like, the more he punches, the more he's losing his sense of self. Yeah, yeah. And Uncle, very important to point out that Uncle Sam, the hero protagonist, Uncle Sam, is not fighting back. Yes. And then, uh, and then, and before that, there's a lot, another final montage of America's, you know, horrible sins. Again, shaped like states. Very quickly, they're just like, you know, bombing and shooting of abortion clinic. There's drug use. There's policing. Uh, KKK clan burning across. Yeah. Uh, and what's really great? So this is how. I like kind of solving this this reckoning, right? Because you know, it it would be such a dumb way to end the story if Uncle Sam just beats the fake Uncle Sam down. So what he do is he's like he's just confronting him with the truth and just taking all the punches from fake Uncle Sam. And specifically, Uncle Sam is saying a lot of his dialogue is about like you know I will admit we've done terrible we've done terrible things, right? Um, but I won't and I won't deny it even if the history books do. But I won't pretend they never happened. Uh, and he always does his best to take them head on, whereas the fake Uncle Sam takes pride in telling people to forget about them. Right. And yeah, Uncle Sam, no matter how much Uncle Sam beats him down, he keeps coming back up, and eventually the fake Uncle Sam just dissolves away into dust. And what's yes. really funny, what's really funny is that the fake Uncle Sam is, is his, most of his dialogue is like really jingoistic presidential quotes. Right. Presidential Which, administrations, like uh, H, it's like a New World Order speech from H.W. Bush. There's uh there's some quotes from like people who work for the Reagan, the Reagan administration. Right. I think the just say no I felt like came from the uh drug campaign. Probably yeah. Uh, there's another one I found. Uh, this is the one that I wasn't a politician. What good is the moon if you can't buy or sell it? That I looked it up. That's from a uh Ivan Boeski. I think you say his name. It's a guy who was. <laughs> He was convicted of insider a huge insider trading scandal in the 80s. And oh, that wow. the character Gordon Gecko from Wall Street is partially based off of him. That makes sense. Whoa. 
Yeah. But yeah, Uncle Sam, the fake Uncle Sam dissolves away and Uncle Sam goes back to the streets. You know, he's wondering what's happening. Was this just a dream? And it's kind of a, a really kind of quaint ending is that these uh, two random people put a dollar in his hat. And he's like, what hat? What are you talking about? So this is something very important. We have kind of failed to mention in this entire comic. Uncle Sam does not have his iconic hat. Uh, yes, the fake one does. The yeah. homeless and one I, doesn't. Yeah, until the very end, he finally has the hat uh, back on the street, and he goes, he, you know, he just says, you know, what do you know? It still fits, and he starts singing uh, Yankee Deal Dandy. Right, and as the dollar bill falls out of his pocket, and someone else picks it up. Yeah, it's actually it's a uh, it's a uh, I think it's Bia. Oh yes, you're right. I see. I never even noticed the face. Yeah, because it's like really, it's like barely in it. It's either it's either Bia or Queen Britannia, but I think it's Bia. I'm pretty sure it's Bia, but oh, okay, that makes that makes more sense. See, because the way they um they do this ending now is supposed to show like despite the faults that America has within its past, there's always the hope at the end of the tunnel or the light at the end of the t- tunnel to create uh you know the idea that we can move on as a people. Yeah, and then he walks, kind of very important, he walks under a sign, that's the the Latin sign and the eye with the dollar bill that's on the, the pyramid on the dollar bill, which is, uh, I'm trying to look it up, it's one of model, it means, you know, uh, favor or undertaking, so I think the, the translation generally is providence favors our undertaking, undertaking being, you know, dem- democracy. Democracy. Yep, and that's where it ends. Or... Uh, it could be a secret coded message about uh, Steve Darnell <laughs> and Alex Ross being a part of the Illuminati. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, yeah, that was Uncle Sam, Vertical Series. Fantastic book. Um, what did you think of it, Phil? Because I read this before, but this is your first time reading it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to lie because this is – I've read it twice. The first time I read it, I was – confused especially in the beginning but then after reading it again i was like whoa this is this is so timely this is this is good i was like wow i steve darnell where have you been all my comic book life <laughs> so something i want to bring up because we spent a lot of time you know talking about like the socio-cultural context the history stuff which is key this is a key element of the book but something i really like about this comic is that there's this this story is like a very dreamlike state. And I think it's really interesting how comics with its ability to tell subjective reality mm-hmm. can, can tell a story like that. And I think about it, cause it would be really hard to tell the story otherwise. Like if you were to do a movie about it, you're trying to do a film, people would be very confused. Oh yeah. Big facts. Because, uh, a lot of the again, like, like you mentioned before, a lot of the things that go on within this uh, book, right. Can't, be translated to film right yeah. the idea of creating panel borders in the shape of states the uh overlapping dialogue on top of each other right where we're able to see it as one image but then at the same time because of our brain they're separated by lines so we're able to look at them both individually as well it's also uh, that a lot of the story and images are not literal you know he's he goes in and out of as he goes in and out of his own memory which are flashbacks to american history or you know they're just pure symbolism yeah so uh i think what this book needs to do now is get the animated uh treatment (laughs) so like Uh, i i can't imagine any animated any company animation studio touching this this product this is so political I mean, it would be dc animation right and it's not it's not even that political by today's standards no it's not but at the same time, though, it does really make you think, or like, wow, they must be really pushing their liberal agenda down our throats using our comic books type of mentality. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's more than just that, though. It's you know, it comes to turn with an understanding of how uh, America was, what it was, what it has done, and what it could be. Yeah, and you know, very fitting that you Uncle Sam, the big the big chop uh, the the American icon, the big American prop prop it. American propaganda symbol. And that DC Comics has willingly indulged in, not just with Uncle Sam comics, but like other publishers 
mm-hmm. of the era they premiered, they were like super patriotic, jingoistic comics telling people yeah. to go to war. Yeah. So now I feel like this could use a sequel where it's Uncle Sam versus Johnny Reb. Uh, Confederacy. Yeah. Uh, maybe it'd be interesting. I feel like that the whole American Confederacy thing has been done to death, and what's not being covered is kind of <laughs> what's what's the work that's left to do from that from that era, right? Mm. With all the, you know, the Confederate statues. The Confederate statues, yeah, right. You know, and people in the South still seeing it as our history and all that and all that bullshit. Anybody in the South listening to this and feels offended, uh, go to hell. <laughs> you know, I don't. <laughs> whatever fuck you guys um uh and also i just want to point out the covers the the covers are all like icon- they're all twists on a lot of iconic imagery the one my favorite is it's just black and there's uncle sam holding the top hat out for money right uh that is on my cell phone that's my lock screen that's my lock screen art oh see now you can go ahead and scan it so you can get a higher resolution of that photo uh, well, there's a library, but I won't do that. There's another one I really liked. They did not use it for the book, but they used it for the village voice. There's American, there's Uncle Sam with his, giving us the, the middle finger. No, I, I don't have those in my book. Oh, really? I have a deluxe hardcover, so it has a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah, just a regular uh, soft cover. Yeah, it has, like, kind of covers. Does it give you the history of Uncle, Uncle Sam? Sam? Yes, it yeah. does. Okay, that's kind of curious. Um, great book. I don't know. You're going to have to work to get this, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, go find it from your local library. It's probably your best bet. Um, we should probably start saying that, too. Support your local library, because they, among other things, they buy a lot of comics. So. Yes, they do. Yeah, support your local co- libraries. Support your local comic book store. Uh, support us. Support us, especially... We are. If you don't support us, you it's because you hate America. <laughs> ah, all right. I think that 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 is a wrap on this. Yep. So, uh, yeah. God bless America and all that. You know, greatest country in the world. <laughs> as, as you know, me and Phil can attest to being, you know, a black man and Asian man. We're obviously people who have benefited from America. All right. Uh, so I. On that note, I'm Eric Wong. All right, I'm Phil Fleming, and you've been listening to The West Wing. (laughs) That's perfect.